Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. As you may have guessed, or maybe you know, or maybe this is your first time, but no matter what episode it is, my name is still AJ Kearns, and I am proud and honored to be your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you and yours to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. And that, that last piece, from around the world, it's, it's something that's true and dear to my heart, and it really means a lot. You know, last week, Michael Hacker when in Germany, uh, you know, Austria. We have uh, this week Blake Stevenson. He's in Canada. Uh, next week's episode, we feature uh, Dune uh, Hagar, who's in Australia. And so, Rumi, right there, three incredible artists, great designers, you know, people who are just really doing some amazing things have decided to come on a podcast by, you know, run by, you know, founded by myself. And so it really just kind of uh, really brings, you know, the power of, you know, the podcast, the power of craft beer, you know, the appreciation for art and design and what we're really trying to do here as a community. And we, you know, we, we step out of our comfort zone, we spread that net a little wider, and we try to reach as many people as we can. And it's really cool to look at the logs and see where folks are, you know, checking in from around the world. But... You know, this is uh, you know, this is it. This is what we're doing, and we're really proud to be doing it together. So, thank you once again for for tuning in. You're listening to the 16 ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, one six OZ Canvas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you know, one six OZ Canvas dot com is the website. Episode 104, 104. That's 100. You know, and we're uh, we're not stopping anytime soon. So, this week's featured artist is Blake Stevenson himself. You can find him on Instagram, Jetpacks and Roller Skates. And it's just a great conversation. Two guys, a little old school in it. You know, really appreciation of of things uh, back in the day. Discussions of analog. Talking about his work, his process, his love of little little skeletons, kind of his, his logo, skull and crossbones. The appearance of, you know, his favorite raccoon, which seems to be making, you know, popping up here and there throughout his work over the years. Ruckus the raccoon. And it's just really... Uh, you know, it just really was a lot of fun to, to get down, you know, get down and dirty and figure out what, you know, what makes him tick, learn about it, where he came from, how he got into it. You know, we also talk about, you know, the work he's done with uh, Collective Brewing, which are just amazing. They just announced that they'll be opening a, a brewery uh, in Brooklyn, New York. So we're really excited to, to hear about that. Also, the work that he you know, did with his friends at Alora, which is another great story. So just uh, this is a feel good episode. It's really, it was really nice, you know, just to, to sit back and, you know, and catch up, you know, learn about what he's doing, how he does it. And yeah, it's just, it's just a fun episode. So this is, uh, you know, Blake Stevenson, again, jet packs and roller skates. You got to sound it out, spell it out, you know, use, uh, use it all as one word, no spaces, hyphens, dots, anything like that. Jet packs, as you think, A-N-D, roller skates on Instagram. You can also go to J-N-R. Literally the letter JNRshop.com and find out how to get some prints. You know, definitely uh, make sure you tell them that you know, AJ sent you. And this is a, this is a great episode. So everything is, things have been good. We're not going to ramble on like we did so much last week. I, I do apologize. You know, we do try to, you know, do the intro, have a little bit of personalization, try to give you insight into what's going on in my life, but also realize that, you know, this is about the artist. So last week we rambled on significantly and we won't do that we do want to take a quick moment to wish a happy anniversary to our crew over at hoax brewing right here in connecticut they're part of the uh 
coalition or the, or the squad or the crew over at the Birics, which is one of the first uh, collaboratory uh, breweries you know, in the country, right here in Connecticut. They've got 10 breweries there. You don't want to leave anybody out, so I'm not going to try to name all of them. But uh, it was just a, we, went, we went to the, the party. You know, it was a weekend. You know, the whole weekend was the party, so we were able to get there for a little while. On Saturday, they had some special releases. Their sleight of hand Berliner Weiss is, is pretty banging. So they had that. Uh, was uh, aging some, uh, I think, Zinfandel bottles. So we picked up a couple of those, and we'll be popping those uh, in the future. So hope all is well with you. We thank you once again for listening. We want to wish you all the best. It's uh, getting warm out there, so it's a lot of fun heading to the AC Beer Fest this weekend. We'll talk to you about that next week. I fucked up my back, so I'm in a little bit of pain as we do this. So it's uh, hopefully listening to me talk is not too painful, but uh, things are getting better. Had a little uh, neurological uh, recalibration over at the uh, local massage place, which was awesome. Um, was uh, really a, a positive experience there. So uh, I know I am rambling. I did not take any drugs. Um, uh, neuromuscular reprogramming, excuse me, is what I had done, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So without further ado, episode one hundred and four, Mr. Blake Stevenson. 16-ounce canvas. Enjoy. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just sit back, relax. If you're driving, I wouldn't sit back, but pay attention to the road. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Fair Beer podcast. Very excited to have those today checking in right outside of Toronto, Blake Stevenson. We came to learn of Blake through his work that he's done with Collective Arts Brewing, and also one of our previous guests, Cecil Warner, recommended him. So it's uh, we love the the uh, personal touch and recommendation, the the one degree of separation. So thanks so much for uh, you know taking the time to join us uh, today, Blake. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, I've definitely been digging in. And uh, yeah, it's just really cool to see somebody like showcasing the whole like art movement and beer because it's such a unique one that you don't, I don't know, I don't feel like it's captured enough and it's so sporadic and kind of pivots on a dime. It's really cool. So Yeah, it's been really great. It's really been a source of... Uh, you know, I went to school for marketing and, you know, uh, business school. And I, so I love branding. And I just think it's just so important, you know, especially with the cans and the accessibility and all, so many one-off beers. And like we were saying before, the work that Collective Arts is doing, you know, I just give a shot to them. They're just, you know, they're curating amazing artists from around the world. And I really love your kind of like your zen. I think it was like a zen like sloth or some. Oh. Yeah, it was very yep. like, yeah, it was, I, I love that. So it was great. Yeah, they're they're like such cool advocates um, for like just the beer industry in general. They're they're doing this like uh, liquid arts festival um, in Hamilton, Ontario, and it's just such a interesting thing. I went last year, and there must be like hundreds of taps. Um, on top of that, there's there's like a big stage with some like pretty prominent bands, and the whole thing is just revolves around art, music like collecting together and just having a good time. And I, I don't think it, it felt like it was at like a legit music festival, but the thing is the keystone was beer and they had breweries from like Iceland, um, this like all over the States, the whole, it wasn't like a focus on Canadian beer. It was like, Hey, let's for people that can't get out of, uh, like Canada, like how do we bring that beer to them? Yeah. So yeah, it's like unbelievable. It, yeah. It's great. And I think that's, I geek out like we've been, we've we've you know had artists in Ireland, and, you know in Sweden. We have a upcoming one in Germany, the UK, 
Canada. You know, we've had several, you know, Canada and obviously the United States. So it's just been, I mean, it's been amazing. You know, uh, Australia, excuse me, and New Zealand. Sorry, sorry, those are kind of two big ones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been, ama- it's really been amazing. And I, I feel, I, I, I mean, I say all the time and people probably think I'm just kind of a spiel, but like I'm super, I'm super blessed. Like I believe in like the whole, you know, a little hippy dippy, but like the whole earth and we're all together, all these people. And it just shows you like just all these amazing people and how we're all connected, you know, just through something as simple as beer. You know, I've been able to, you know, I look at a map completely different now and I have all these great, you know, mental pictures of people and experiences and I've gotten to meet a few. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to tick you off that list too, Blake. <laughs> awesome, man. So for folks at home, if you want to follow along, which I think is a very smart idea, Jetpacks and Roller Skates on Instagram. That's kind of your your home sweet home on the interwebs. You can follow yep. uh, Blake Stevenson on Twitter. I bet you're just dropping all sorts of uh, creative knowledge on a daily basis over there on the, on the Twitter. And then uh, uh, JN, little J, letter N, R, shop.com. That's kind of a... You know, Blake's Hub, you can see some of his, buy some of his gear and prints and what have you over there. So check that out too. Cool. Thanks, man. Plugs, 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 man. As many, yeah. as, as, many as we can get in here. Yeah, well, definitely. That's, uh, yeah. That's what the artists like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, to, to be an artist. I mean, I know the, the nomenclature is usually struggling artists, but we try to, you know, we try to drive all that huge traffic as much as we can. So I definitely uh, get over there and buy some stuff. We're going to have to get some here for the studio. So looking forward to it. Sweet. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. No brainer. So let's uh, let's talk about you. You know, I, I've been rambling already. And so uh, I've had <laughs> a few cups of coffee this morning. So I'm pretty, pretty jacked up. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of what's what's your story? Like, how did you you know get into design and il- you know, illustration? You know, I really like your, you know, your style. You know, uh, I, I also like your Instagram because, you, you know, we mentioned a lot, but you really show the process. You show your early kind of you know pen sketches and then. You know, a post or two later, you see how it kind of came together. So it's really, uh, it's really raw, and I, you know, I'm a, that's always my my favorite when people like make themselves kind of, uh, I don't know, vulnerable in a way to to showing <laughs> how they got there. That's uh, that's really awesome that you noticed that because I, I don't know, I I do it for myself, and I found that uh, one of the things on Instagram is you see all these artists, and a lot of times they only post finished work, so you just assume that they live in this bright and shiny world where they never mess up, and <laughs> yeah, and it, it's kind of <laughs> it's so weird because like part of the, half of the battle is like the experimentation and the uh, the finding yourself almost. And I I just love to document that in in any way because if I've ever talked at like a a school or like a meetups or anything like that, that's like one of the things that everybody asks like oh how did you figure out your style how did you like get to this point dot 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 and I just am like I don't know you just I, there's really there's a million answers for it and if I can shed any light on it through a social media feed I think that it's it's pretty cool so. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it because, yeah, exactly. Like, I always, even with music, I love when you, bands, I mean, sometimes I feel it's a cash grab, but, like, when they have, like, the demos or, like, the, you know, the alternate takes, you know, it just, I, I, just, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the process and just, like you said, there there are a lot of just, like, oh, okay, this this is done. And it's like, okay, but you just spent, like, 60, 80 hours on that piece, you know, like. You know, yeah, totally. It didn't just all of a sudden, like, your pen go down and it was done on first take. So it's, it's interesting. I think some folks don't want to you know show their flaws i guess i don't know but i no, guess that's I, a, yeah it's an interesting discussion i i totally get it in the sense because i'm i'm sitting beside like a whole bookshelf of art books right now and 
clearly there's a need for it. Like I'm paying for hardcover books to see that kind of process work. And like I buy DVDs still to see some of the like making of featurettes and all those um, like just particular details. And I'm just like, well, I like to see that. How do I just expose other people to it? Or even like seeing the rough, rough work, because my work does tend to go into a cleaner direction eventually. But to see how like how much gesturing I'm doing in it and how how loose I'm getting with it early on, I think is is good for people to see because I'm not drawing super clean lines every time. Yeah, I, I really dig it. So, yeah, so I just wanted to note that. I think that's one of the things I, I like, you know, a lot. And yours, I think, like I said, more than more than others, really. It's, you know, four panes. It's like the, the pen, you know, the pen sketch and then the, how you polish up a little bit. Then you can cut a little coloring and then the final piece. So, yeah, so. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, so you still though can't get out of the of the Blake story though. You got really. Gotta, <laughs> you know, you got, I, I do. I do appreciate a good diversion there. But, you know, what's the what's the Blake? You know, what's the Blake Stevenson story? How did you kind of you know find your find your way? Um, I I don't know. I think I I don't think my my story is much different than most. But like I I definitely was uh, a kid. I grew up in like a very small town, and I think my like daily distraction was probably like your Saturday morning cartoons um, early on. Cause like the, the thing that we did, we, we lived on a horse farm in like a, a town of like 300 people. And I always kind of like looked out at like the city. Cause my parents like lived in the city, grew up in the city, all that kind of stuff. And they always had these cool stories about it. And then I was like, why did they decide to move here? And kind of the television was like my window to the city. So I would always watch cartoons and I would like see like these news reports of what's going on, like outside of this teeny little whatever town that I was in. Um, and because of that, I was like, I, I was kind of, I guess, magnetically attracted to all of the things that were not that town. So I got into skateboarding and punk rock and played bands. And those kind of things are all very much like my, my art is very influenced by like skateboard graphics and like those Saturday morning cartoons, even like street art I got into. Cause every time I would go to the city, I would always like look at the graffiti. How do I, how do I mimic that? How do I bring that back to my own thing? Um, and like, I was totally that kid in the, in high school that sat at the back of the class, just sketching the whole time. Somehow I, I cruised through, um, got enough grades to pass. And then, um, I think early on, I did realize that I wanted to take that creative path. I know a lot of kids at that age don't necessarily know what they're doing, but I, I feel like it was one of those things that I'm like, well, it's no brainer. I'm, I'm going to be in graphics and I, I guess I did want to like draw cartoons. That's, that's, I guess where it all stemmed from, but it like, how do you even go about doing that? Like I didn't know. So I, I think I jumped immediately into like more of a graphics approach, um, kind of eventually pivoting into, uh, I did an animation course a, a little bit, uh, but then I, I realized very quickly, like I did like to draw cartoons, but the animation part seemed very tedious and finding out like earlier, a lot of that animation and stuff is kind of like shipped out to India. It was no longer like you're animating. It was, and this, this was probably in the, I don't know, er, mid two thousands kind of thing, uh, early to mid two thousands. Um, so even being able to do your own animation was actually pretty hard. It was still more like pencil and paper. After Effects wasn't a huge deal back then. 
Um, so I would like, I was like, oh, that's not in the cards. Uh, like you'll do storyboarding. And then one of my, uh, one of my, I guess, professors at the time said like, your work is actually like pretty graphical, like it's flat. And he could see me going into more of like that graphic design art direction path. And I, I knew what graphic design was, um, but I, I, I didn't know if it was for me. And then I started to like learn more about like the actual like advertising end of it and how you can get the more kind of whimsical illustrations and interesting brands came out that were being more open-ended uh, with things like as far as like illustrative and like editorial was kind of in that that realm as well so all these things were kind of influencing me and pointing me in a, a certain direction so then I, I eventually found myself going into yeah like an art direction role um, but I guess I didn't I kind of got out of that eventually. I, I worked for a few studios in Toronto um, and then some in some smaller towns. I moved out of Toronto and uh, I kind of pivoted because there was this uh, like technology started to become such a big thing. Um, I got really into kind of like learning how to code and then eventually learning how to like animate my characters onto screens and Furthermore, like I got into like video games a lot more and I kind of pivoted more into like a technological role first working for like a very small video game studio helping with things like character design because I had the coding background at this point. I then ended up like coding some websites or coding the front end of that game um, and then I guess further extracting myself out of the tech space, I got more into like app development and software development. And that's kind of like where my day job is, but any opportunity I get, I try and like marry the two because I think like the internet has definitely moved me forward. So I'm trying, I'm always trying to figure out other ways to kind of like get my hooks into that and figure out how to get other people to experience art in more interesting ways. And I think digital experiences are kind of that step. Uh, that was totally a ramble. I don't know where we are now. <laughs> no, no. See, again, like I think that's great. I mean, I, I, I relate a lot because we were talking before we started recording, you know, about my day job, and I'm a, I'm a sales director. But my career, I started, um, you know, I went to school. I had, a, I majored in marketing and IT, and so I used to work in IT. I did, uh, you know, database. Uh, I did, you know, web design. I did freelance, and so. I'm exactly with you. I'm always trying to think of the way to use technology to kind of a save some steps, but also this improved process and how you can, you know, modernize things. So I told you, yeah, that was really how my whole career went was, okay, I, they needed me to do the internet. So I did that. And then, you know, I put a, a processor in place where others could use it who weren't tech savvy. And so they were like, well, you kind of saved us all these hours of time. I worked in Unix. I worked in, you know, PHP, mm. and, and just kind of evolved from there. So, I, yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty heavy code guy for a really long time. That's that's cool, man. Like, I, I, it's one of those things that I always find, especially from a creative standpoint, it seems to be a barrier, right? Like, a lot of people are very intimidated by it, and I don't know if, um, I, I don't know what what age you are, but like, I feel like I was at that that kind of transitional state where my generation like was kind of like as as the internet became more of a pop culture thing that was like i grew up with the internet when it was nothing to when it was 
like or sorry what not when it was nothing but when it was like just in in its infancy to like now where it is just like where everything happens so it's just i it was easy for me to transition because i saw the entire like breadth of it um where as if somebody wasn't in that transition it might be scary or i'm I don't, i'm not sure yeah i'm 40 so I, th- I think we're about the same age like i remember not having internet and i remember Having yeah, totally. Dial, I've like dial up, and we've told the story before. Like to make a make a mix, you know, I leave for cu- cu- you know class in my dial up and you know Napster, and I, I would get to download you know maybe a song or two. By, oh, you know, totally. By the time I came back to the apartment, like at the end of the day, so yeah, I totally I get it, and I, that's why I think I, I'm drawn to your your some of your pieces because they have the they have nostalgia, you know, the Game Boys and you know the, <laughs> yeah. and, and some of the you know the, the NES stuff from you know from back in the day, and so. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally get it. Just, it's kind of, a, it kind of blows my mind just to think, you know, my kids have no idea. Like they'll touch, they'll touch stuff. Like they'll touch screens, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, oh, they think they can just swipe that off the screen or move that around. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and it's just like to me, like I remember moving, and our parents' TV was this huge tube television that was like oh, probably yeah. hundreds of pounds, and it was just like massive. The idea of just like propping that up on a wall you know it's just like i yeah. don't know yeah i mean this is the part where i feel really fucking old sometimes so i apologize <laughs> to people fair. listening but i'm like i do this like you know kind of like montage in my head of you know how it was but yeah what was yeah it? put put some music to it probably some some sweet 80s 90s tracks yeah right just like <laughs> maybe me running down a beach like you know like real slow motion style so maybe yeah. you can you can animate it for me we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll team up there i and i still do have like such an affinity for that time like and you'll see it like you said in a lot of my artwork but i i have like these pinterest boards that are just 80s like 50s through 90s technology and i don't know why but i love that aesthetic of the boxy screens the disk drives those walkmans um and i i don't think it's just the fact that i grew up with it i still think that there is a certain design aesthetic and you do see it all kind of coming full circle now kids have walkmans or even i look at like some of the spotify design stuff these days and they're definitely trying to mimic a lot of those old tactile user interface stuff that that were they were we were so used to back then and it's so cool that it's coming full circle now even the color schemes are are coming full circle and I'm like pumped because at no point in my entire career was I able to get away with using like neon yellows and neon like pinks. And now I'm like, oh, people kind of dig this again. Yeah. And you do. Yeah. You, and you do use it in your work. So it's kind of nice to see that. And right. It was like, okay, how small can we make this phone? Right. The Zoolander little tiny, oh, yeah. tiny phone you fit in your fingers. And now it's like, oh, that it's too small. Cause then, I mean, it's like, so it's definitely. And I, it's also, you could argue that it's just a way for us to continue, continually have to buy new models of stuff, but I mean, yeah, totally. it's, it's not, it's not as, uh, it's not as form factor and caring so much, but yeah, even, but like now you can, oh, you know, go to Target and get your nostalgia NES, you know, USB with every, you know, every game ever made on it or, you know, Raspberry yeah. Pi and you can, you know, you can load up, you know, every system. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad the stuff exists anyways. So. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And again, we you know we did an Airbnb in Portland, Maine last summer, and the house had a uh, was it N sixty four? But like we got to, like my kids had never played Mario Kart. I mean, they play Fortnite, they play you know Roblox and Minecraft, which I love. But it was like we the 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 house you know we were like oh should we go out? And, like we almost didn't go out. We all all four of us were playing you know Mario That's Kart amazing. and Goldeneye and like and they were and I was and they were 
it, it, it like lived like you know they were still into it and i was like this is this is great like i in the review i was like the nes was was amazing you know we were, i was super <laughs> excited yeah so it's just uh you know we geek out on that type of stuff here yeah i'm um as far as that kind of stuff it's so weird because like i look back at that and I don't even I don't know if I could go back to an N64 because I just remember seeing those graphics of like the super blocky things and how far we've gone. It's just there's that uncanny valley where in my mind those games looked like the future. And then when you look back at them, they're just like these cube heads with like weird like skin masks on them to make it look like humans. And you're just like, whoa. It, it's like a weird time warp and I don't know I don't know how we got away with it but I guess it's we used our imaginations and and then we moved on yeah because it's like yeah even like jumping it was like okay like the idea that you could like multi-directionally jump like it was like you either jump over or back yeah. like that was it like you're good mm-hmm. yeah totally so you do show a lot of your, your your process but what is kind of like are you it seems like you use a pen and ink like a like a like pen or sketches like what is your what is your process like to bring your, your work to life uh, so that's a good question. Um, just in the, the sense, of, uh, <laughs> the sense of like the fact that I'm, I'm kind of constantly changing how that is. Like I originally was all about pencil and I was kind of a curmudgeon as far as that stuff went because I, I was always the guy with like pencil ink. I'm like, I'm never going to transition to digital unless I'm like actually vectorizing something, making it so it is in like, uh, I guess a different medium. And then I have almost reverted entirely on that statement because I am almost completely digital. Um, I have a Cintiq tablet at my desk and then just so I could move my workflow to the couch as like my wife and I sit and watch uh, like Netflix at night, I got one of the new iPad Pros and that's kind of exclusively what I do all my pencil work on and then even so much so as inking and I've gotten pretty good at making it smooth so even when I transition it onto the computer proper uh, I I kind of just run it through a few filters and clean it up a little bit more but I'm I don't touch pencil and paper as much as I used to just because the iPad has made it so convenient and being able to like squash and stretch things at like on a whim and like reorganize your layouts, I can do like a, a ton of layouts super quick and I'm not like going through stacks of paper. I do miss that, that like tactile feel like all the time, but I went back to pencil and paper not long ago. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I was on vacation and I brought a sketchbook because I, that's what I do. And I found myself like drawing and like a weirdo trying to like, s- like stretch out the paper with <laughs> like doing fingers. the pinch, like the pinch. Yeah. Thing. Or like double, t- so this program I use called Procreate, um, yeah. you double tap with two fingers and it edit or like it reverts the the change that you made. So I would double tap my paper and I'm like, oh my God, my brain is changing. Uh, but it, it's so weird that you ju- it just becomes so second nature. And like, I, I think I'd be fine if I had to go back to it. But the fact that my brain is just like turned in a complete 180 is so weird to me and I see it with my daughter all the time like she she doesn't really understand erasing but she understands the double tap in my bloody app it's so weird yeah it's it's, I mean it sounds hilarious though Blake if I if I saw you tapping on your your you know notepad your sketchbook like why is this working what's going on so uh, this is a wi-fi broken what's going on 
I, I was uh, whiteboarding at work because I do a lot of like kind of strategy, like prototyping. And I was doing this huge whiteboard thing and I, I did that in front of like a group of people. I double tapped because I'm, it's, I'm not thinking when I'm doing it. I'm just like very much off the cuff. And I did that. And uh, one of the guys I'm kind of like uh, working with is just like, what was that? And he had this huge question mark and like this, uh, these like wide eyes. And then I had to like just retrace my steps and be like, oh my God, you know what this is? And then I explained the whole, this whole story right now. And he's just like, that is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Because like, yeah, like especially, yeah, with, you know, the fact that you're nostalgic for, you know, the, the, the old school way that, that you fully adapt, but that, that just shows your, your willingness to adapt, which I think some people, some people have a really hard time with. I, I definitely, the common theme I get with the transition from paper, you know, pen and ink or sketching to the the tablets is the tactile, you know, nature of it or having the physical, you know, output that they can reference later. Like, okay, I spent, you know, 10 hours and here's what it was versus like, like it's on this digital ones and zeros, you know, somewhere. Totally. Yeah. And I, I try and I guess counterbalance that by maybe trying to transition my final work onto maybe silkscreen or if it's going to be like published or something. So there is still the final tactile piece, but I do miss a little bit of that, that in between. Um, I did recently get this, like it's a screen protector for my iPad and it actually mimics paper really closely, which is really interesting because now you're, you're drawing on a screen, but it has like resistance and it, it almost tricks your brain even further to be like, oh, now we're, we're sketching again. So yeah, technology is whack and it's nuts, man. Yeah, you don't have the ink smears in your hands anymore though. So yeah. No, that's true. I, I do miss that. Like just getting dirty, getting like paint all over you. I have like still pairs of jeans that I use for when I do like live painting and stuff like that. And I still take them out because they, they remind me of the days. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lefty, so like I, I would just it just it would happen to me all the time. I would just get it all over my the right side, all the you know, all down my hand. Yeah. So jetpacks and roller skates, kind of how did you come up with that as like you know, as your your brand or your idea you know, your idea to represent your work? Uh it's a it's a few few little things, but um I guess originally it was so there is a, a band that I really liked called the Full Blast. They're like a speed punk kind of skate punk band. And they had a song that was called Jetpacks and Roller Skates. And I or all is called All I Need is a Jetpack. Uh, and roller skates and the whole chorus was like All I Need is a Jetpack and Roller Skates to get to you. It's like a corny pop punky love song from way back when but i always thought that that concept was so cool because it harkened back to those old like wily e. coyote um roadrunner cartoons that i i like glued myself to as a kid and it was it was such an awesome visual because i i always liked that doing things the extremely opposite or hard way it, it was this cool metaphor because I, I just all the gadgets and and everything, the aesthetic of that show was so cool. And then I, I wanted to how do I extract that and almost like make it like a studio or a moniker. So I, I just thought and, and I do like the fact that people actually ask like, oh, what the hell does jetpacks and roller skates mean? And it always evokes this this story or this idea and somebody can relate to it, especially if you're like a creative in any way. If you don't know what the 
the Bugs Bunny show is, or like you don't know what Bugs Bunny is, or Wile E. Coyote, Roadrunner. Those they're such iconic characters, like a Mickey Mouse, um, or or anything like that. It just allows people to kind of put themselves in that nostalgia, and I like that it it, it gives everybody a seat at that table, and we can all talk about it. Yeah, right. Acme Acme Goods, right? Totally. I, I totally. Yeah. And anvils for no reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The uh, the classic just fall. Yeah, it doesn't fall right away. Pause over the over the cliff to look down and realize to be about to fall. No, yeah. It never, it never gets old. I mean, if I see that on TV, I'm like, I'm in. Like, I, I could sit there for hours and just watch those. Yeah. And even just, like I said, the aesthetic of those shows. I love all the backgrounds and it's it's like this weird thing that's that's timeless every time i see like that desert scene in those old cartoons like it's it never leaves my mind i love the formation of those wild rocks and and that barren landscape so cool and just the formations were crazy like the huge boulders on top of these pencil thin like rock foundations it doesn't make any sense because it's a cartoon but it looks so cool yeah and it's just amazing that like the fact is, like we were talking about technology, to realize all that was done with so less back in the day. It's just amazing to see how they were able to inspire so many people with so so le- like with so much less. Yeah, totally. And we are back. What do you think, folks? Yeah, it's a good one. Real natural, real warm and fuzzies. I think, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. Want to give a quick plug to our, our good friend Cecil Warner, toyhandscreate.com, toyhandscreate on Instagram. One of the alumni, really how we, you know, came to, you know, learn of Blake, episode 59, which is just crazy to think about, almost 50 episodes ago. You know, he mentioned Blake, and now here we are, you know, many, many months later making it all happen. So it's really exciting. That was in May of 2018, so almost a full year ago, which is crazy. So I'm just really blessed. You know, we're doing some great stuff, and just really nice to you know to talk to Blake. You can see how him and uh, Cecil get along. They're you know really chill. They're really humble. They really appreciate you know what they're doing, and it, it's just nice. I think that one of the great things about the the people in this scene or you know industry or just who are working for themselves, you know, or working you know working you know burning the midnight oil trying to do it you know it's just they have something they believe in something they're passionate about and it's a really it's really hard because it's such a it's a craft that isn't black and white you know it's it's okay you know it's not draw a circle with a diameter of three inches and you know a triangle and you know x y and z or here's you know blueprints you know really the the canvas is open obviously they get briefs they get ideas interpretations but we have 104 artists and counting and we'll be dropping season uh, 10 announcement really soon and they all interpret life and art differently and it's one of the most beautiful things i ever you know came to take away from all this you know we've said it before and we'll say it again you know we're repeating you know we can be a little repetitive and what's cool is that it means if you know that i'm repeating it means that you that you listen so so again thank you but we could just, you know, it's like when I watch, you know, a little guilty pleasure. We started watching again Project Runway. I don't really know anything about fashion. You know, I think I look pretty cool sometimes. But what I love is they're all given the same challenge. And the, that's why I watch it. I watch it for the output. 
given the same challenge. They're given the same tools. They all get the same laptops or, you know, service pros or whatever fucking sponsor is that year. And they all have to make something completely different. And I just, I love that. I love seeing it. And I love to see what, you know, our guests create, how they do it, how they look at things. And it's just wonderful. It's made me appreciate you a lot more. It's made me appreciate life a lot more. And it's really just one of the true joys of, you know, doing this project. So I am humbled. I'm appreciative. And I'm blessed. And hopefully you're enjoying this episode. Like I said, this is Blake Stevenson, Jetpacks and Roller Skates, you know, to a simpler time. Would love a little jetpack action. Roller skates, um, you know, I might not have the best luck in. I did have a, which is going to be a surprise to some of you. I tried rollerblading for a period of time. It's a little different than roller skates. Whew. Did not go so well. Did not go as well as my skiing experiences. So I'm just noticing a little bit of a theme here. As you get older, you kind of piece together your story and, you know, tried to skateboard. Broke my ankle. Tried to go skiing. Hit a tree. Went down a hill on rollerblades. Took a dick digger. But that was probably of the three the least uh, long-term impactful. But anyway, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? And if you've been listening to this for a while, I'm definitely self-deprecating. I'm definitely in the punchline for a lot of the jokes. But hey, that is life. Life is beautiful. And uh, jetpacks and roller skates, that's where it should be. So make sure you go over there. Give Blake a follow. See what he's up to these days. Tell him AJ said hello and... Without further ado, we're going to get right back into part two, part two, part dos, the second, the second coming of Blake. Here it is, 16-ounce canvas. Cheers. So uh, we mentioned before we came to learn of you through the work with, you know, with Collective. You've also done work yep. with uh, Allure Brewing Company. So, you know, how did, how did you team it up with these, uh, you know, breweries to work on some labels coming together? <laughs> um, so... Collective arts. So the way they work is they have kind of like an open call and artists can just submit work and there's a committee that kind of chooses what the, the rung of, I guess, artists will be for the, the coming, I guess, quarter or brew line or whatever they're doing that year or a quarter. And, uh, with Alora is actually, there was a little bit more of an interesting story. So I working at a software company, um, the founder of that software company, one of the founders decided he wanted to make a brewery and his hometown was Alora, and they wanted to just, I guess, brand the thing, kind of give it its own style. And my buddy and I kind of started building that brand from the ground up and the town of Alora, it's a very small, like Southern Ontario town, but it's got, it's very much a tourist town. They have a big music festival every year. They have a lot of like boutique shops, like really nice kayaking. It's like an outdoorsy, whimsical town of like knickknacks and and really fun stuff. So we tried to inject a lot of those ideas into the beer and like treat almost every label like it's it's a new foundation for like how we're going to move forward. We'll have like kind of kooky ideas or try and have an aesthetic of like gig posters. I kind of grew up in that whole gig poster, that like wave of gig poster design. And we're like, well, how do we bring that here? So like eventually maybe people actually want to buy not just the beer, but the label itself. And because like these things are all pieces of art. How do we keep this idea moving forward? Um, And that's kind of how that whole, uh, I guess, 
aesthetic or how I started working with Alora. It was just like I knew the guy that wanted to start the brewery and we kind of worked from the ground up and I've been doing their labels since like day one. And it's pretty awesome to help build like a company and even see like my style and our ideas like transition as we move forward. They're all very different labels, but because I do them, they have, a, a, I guess, a similar aesthetic throughout, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely a, even you know the layout how you're using the the paint. You know you're using uh, you know blocky you know blocky uh, uh, fonts. You know so yeah, I definitely see the consistency. But yeah, I've uh, it's it's definitely interesting, and yeah, I think it's a, it's impressive. I mean, I think a lot of people it's so hyper competitive now with beer. You know, want to be involved with beer, so to to a have the balls to dive in and want to do your own brewery is a whole nother. Yeah, a whole nother level, but yeah, yeah. I think the Peg- yeah. the Pegasus one is the one I really I like that one. And, yeah, yeah, and it, they all just stem. I think every brewery does this, but they all kind of either stem off like an inside joke or like the hops. Um, Neon Pegasus was like a a ridiculous children's YouTube video that the a lot of the guys were like watching because their kids would have the thing on repeat. So they're like, oh, let's uh, let's just take that idea and roll with it. So. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's uh, it definitely uh, it's it's cool to, that you're able to bring your your the the Lodestar one has you know that one that one to me just screams like your 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 aesthetic yeah. or your look right? even though that, yeah oh, I haven't used the A word in a long time so I apologize we try to we we've, we've kind of cut that out the aesthetic oh, word but uh, that that's not a good thing <laughs> uh, well I don't know like early on I would that would be like if I were to say the questions we would ask people like what's your aesthetic and I would just get like the the level of cringe was pretty high so I, I've just kind of I've asked, been able to ask the same question without using that word. It's not, it's not a bad word. It's just, uh, people, um, actually, I think people hated it to be honest with you. It's probably <laughs> one, of my, one of my first questions where I was like super proud of it. And I, I, I honestly, I don't think I've asked it in probably in like 40 episodes, but I would ask it and it was just like, Oh, but I was so proud when I wrote these original questions. I was like, that sounds like an art word. That sounds like a design thing. Like I was like, Oh, that'd, that'd be cool. That'd be like my big question. And it was kind of like, ah, fuck that dude. That's terrible. So, That's, I don't. Know, I don't. It doesn't make me cringe. But all right. Um, well, maybe. Maybe in this. Maybe it's a U.S. thing. You know, we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're a little more a uh, little more cringy here in the states lately. Yeah. Um. Actually, I, I had a question on your side, just Uh-oh. in regards what's, to what's happening here. Yeah, I'm just flipping it around. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> all right. I'm ready. Um. This is like a weird thing. Like, as far as I, I, I just feel like every time I go to the states, um. You guys have it like completely different. I don't know if you've ever been to Canada or if you, you I, checked I've been, out. Any... I've been several times. I, I've yeah. been, I've been to Toronto at least three or four times. And so, have you ever gone and like tried to get some craft beer or figure out like how to get it? Uh, bars aside, but just like no, I've actually. I've no like like takeaway. Like I haven't no, I haven't I haven't really done that. Like to go to a I've ah, uh, I must have gone to like a package store or something or like a yeah no. So in a, in a nutshell, it's like Canada or Ontario specifically has a bit of a – there is a store that has a monopoly that is run by the government called like the LCBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Okay. They short down because that sounds like a mouthful and a little bit too uh, regal. But it that's the only place you can buy beer. They've opened it up recently where you can now go to like very specific grocery stores, but you have to – be on this really short list of, I think it's only a uh, hundred grocery stores in the entire province that you can go to. And that is just like where you can buy it. That's it. Unless you're a, go to a bar. 
So wow, you can't buy it at the you couldn't buy it at a brewery. Oh well, so you can buy it at a brewery. Those those places are off. Those places are kind of like completely self-run. Um, but as far as like like you guys have liquor stores, our liquor stores are there might be one in like a larger town you wouldn't get one in like very small towns but in larger towns you'd get like the the lcbo and the way that they work is like you have to go through a whole rigid process of like you have to send them your one sheet with photos of the cans and then they don't want to dilute only let so many craft beers in Ah. um it's a it's a bit of a weird thing so like anytime you work for a, a brewery collective arts actually has a really good rapport with them because they just produce so much that uh, they always kind of get in, they get their new beers in, and uh, the circulation is good. But like for any small brewery, it's not like you can just be in the LCBO. You have to go through a fairly rigorous process. Um, so, but I guess where I was asking the question was, in the states, every time I go, it's so robust and like the the amount of beers. And I could, I don't know, if I wanted to try everyone on my visits, I would uh, I would be a mess. <laughs> right. Um, so like when, but when you go into the LCBO, it's, it's so much more like limited. I I'm just wondering like in the craft beer space in the States, like, is there any like idea of fatigue or anything like that? Because sometimes I, I go in and I'm like, Oh, there's like 30 yellow IPAs. And I'm like, that's such a, a specific niche of a beer. Well, yeah, um, the IPA market here is kind of, uh, it's aggressive, but, and, I, and I'm not, I've gotten better with, uh, being versed in this, but it's the rules, um, are different by state. So I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised in Pennsylvania. So that's Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania growing yeah, up, Pennsylvania is a different one, <laughs> right? In Pennsylvania growing up, we, it was, uh, separate. So the, you couldn't buy, you could only buy beer at a, they called it a package store and you can only buy liquor at a. It was actually run by the, the government, state-run liquor store, mm-hmm. and they were separate. So I couldn't, if I wanted to buy beer, I had to go one place. If I wanted to get liquor, I had to go to another place. Yeah, I've I've been to Pennsylvania a few times, and, and I, I was always like, oh, this is kind of like Canada, right? <laughs> and so, and even that is weird because they, and it's changed a little bit. I think that there's different uh, delineations now, but for for a long time, you had to buy a case of beer, so you couldn't go and buy yeah. a six pack of X, and so. That was all like, I, I've lived in Connecticut a long time now, but I, I always, that was always weird to me. So it wasn't really, it wasn't um, set up for you to try different things. Like you had to buy a case of it. Um, now they have six pack stores. And I think they have some specialty stores, um, but that's weird. So when I came to Connecticut, you could get it at a supermarket, which I thought was mind blowing. Like that's pretty, that's common in, yeah. in New England. Um, gas, some gas stations, you know, some stations yeah. get in gas stations, which is crazy that, to me. That blows my mind that you can buy beer in gas stations. Some stations, yeah. I mean, it's, it's beer, wild. right. It's beer in your, in your car. Like it's definitively like correlated that you're in your car. And so, yeah, some states have drive-through liquor. Uh, you can drive your that, car and pick it up. You don't have to get out of your car, to which to me <laughs> is fucking completely bonkers. And then in terms of distribution, we while there is a you know kind of a, a smorgasbord a plethora on the shelves, you have to each state has to get distribution. I don't know how that works financially, but we it's not a one size fits all. So I so there's some breweries that are only able to sell in, in their state, and then yeah. so they have to kind of grow. And then they'll you know, kind of the big thing is on social or whatever or their websites they'll they'll announce hey we're coming to Connecticut or we're coming to Massachusetts et cetera et cetera. So. It is limited in that regards. You know, some, 
I think some states you can self-distribute. It depends on how many um, barrels or how many, I guess, correlates to ounces that you would distribute. So if it's, say, under, I'm just going to make an arbitrary number, 10,000, <laughs> that you can sure. do it yourself. And a lot of folks like to do that. They'll bring it to their accounts and drop it off. Uh, Connecticut, there's some uh, legal battles right now going on. The, you know, A lot of the, the Connecticut Brewers Guild and a few others are kind of lobbying or, you know, trying to get support because we're limited in the amount of uh, alcohol you can buy takeaway from a brewery. So you can only oh. buy, you can't even, right. Like in, Ma- in Massachusetts, if I go to Treehouse or Trillium, I can, you know, there's been days when they're offering that you could literally walk home, walk away with 13, 14 cases of beer. In Connecticut, it's, I think it's nine, nine liters. So it's like just under a, a case of 16 ounce uh, cans. And so it's like, it's very limiting. It's, I mean, it's a bigger discussion, I think, on the yeah, totally. corruption that, corruption of distribution. And then for your, um, the labels, um, we have the TTB, which is a, it's a federal uh, organization who does, they approve the labels, whether or not they're uh, obscene, the, what they're making sure they have the proper you know, information, ABV and what have you. Mm-hmm. And then we had one of our uh, more recent government shutdowns that was one of the organizations that was impacted. So no new beers could be approved to go into the market. So a lot of oh. smaller on the rise breweries, you know, um, were kind of impacted by that because they, you know, they had beer that was ready to go and it couldn't get approved. So they couldn't distribute it. And so it kind of sat and, you know, one could argue that that was, you know, that if you're that strapped where, you know, uh, you know, a shipment of beer is going to make or break your bottom line, then you're probably doing something wrong. But yeah, probably. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was interesting. So a lot of you, they, a lot of them were just, okay, we're releasing it at the brewery only or on tap only. And so it's, um, it's kind of a clusterfuck because we basically got like 50, yeah. little, 50 little countries here that kind of have variations of their own little, you know, of their own regulations. But coming to Connecticut from Pennsylvania was like mind blowing the, the accessibility to, you know, to beer and being able to, to, to buy it, uh, all over the place. That's cool though. I, I'm so fascinated by like how we, we've, we all do the same thing, but like, it's all crazy and all over the place and a mess, but you know, we, we get by, we get the beer in the end. So that's, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Really. That's what it comes down to. It's just like, okay, you know, and there's, I mean, we're in a, we're definitely in a, in a brewery boom here in the States. And so it's really, I mean, even Connecticut, which is a little tiny, tiny guy, you know, we have, we're in the 80s or we're getting close to 90 breweries in the state. So they're probable all the time. So it's, uh, it's not difficult to get to it, but it definitely is, uh, it's definitely hyper competitive. And I, I feel it's going to implode soon, but that's just me. <laughs> we're, we're on the incline, but we're definitely nowhere near where the, the states is. But like, obviously, population, like we're, we're far below you guys. So, um, it totally makes sense. It's just, we were on under such like kind of ball and chain for a long time. Even there was like the kind of four main beer companies and they had an entire monopoly on the system even and craft beer breweries. Like, I don't even remember seeing craft beer when I was like, like younger. And my dad was like into craft beer, but craft beer when I was younger was more like you European beers. Like that's just what it was. Um, a lot of those big name breweries wouldn't let anybody have like a handle on any of it. And it just kind of shut down the industry until the, I don't know, m- mid to late nineties. And then it 
then it kind of let its stranglehold over it. And now we we're, we're starting to really see that kind of boom. And the fact that like now people can go to breweries. I don't remember anybody ever talking about going to breweries when I was in my, like, even in college, like it was, there was the odd brewery that you would hear, but it was like almost a, like a, the great white Buffalo and nobody went to that place. Uh, it was, it was so weird to think that so much has changed in so little time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, growing up, I, I mean, I remember my dad drinking Labatt Blue. Like to me, that was like, wow, he's drinking this Canadian like special beer. And then when I <laughs> was old enough to drink it, I was like, oh, okay, don't really, uh, not really missing much here. But uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I did. Re- I was, I was at a hockey game recently. Fittingly, I think I was. I want to say maybe I was in Vegas. I was somewhere, and they had it on tap. And I got, I, got, I just had to get. I was like, all right, I'm, I got the, you know, the biggest one I could, and I was like. All right, Dad. Here we go. You know, but it was uh, it's uh, it's come a lot. It's definitely come a long way. Yeah. So, working on these labels, you know, uh, that you're doing. How much? You know, what's your kind of uh, your because you're managing. You know, you have your your day job. You know, what's the what's, yep. what's the life cycle like? How much time are you getting? How much you know leadway are you getting between you know idea and you know coming to coming to print? Um, it, it really depends. Like they're, they're very accommodating because, uh, the boss that I had before is like, he also works at my, uh, my company. Um, he's one of the partners of that brewery. So, um, they know that like I have a day job, so I'm not going to be getting to something in like a week. It's like, give me a week to dump you a concept and then we'll refine it in the following week kind of thing. But they also, because they like my aesthetic, they don't want to really kind of I guess squander it too much. They're kind of like, do what you need to do. I just realized I said a set. I I said aesthetic. See, um, as I was saying, and now now it's probably going to stick with me. <laughs> yes, the aesthetic series coming up. Yeah. Yes. No, no. <laughs> Jetpacks um, and roller skates aesthetic series. I'm in. That actually sounds kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they're they're just like, hey, have at it. Here is the name, or we can work on a name collectively. Or like maybe they are just like being scientists over there and having a good time with like some weird hops that they found, I don't know, in a, in a ditch somewhere or something. Um, but every time they have like a new idea, they kind of like throw me into an email thread and we kind of hash it out a little bit, maybe get on a call. Maybe I'll just show up at the brewery and they'll, they'll tell me like kind of the ideas that they have moving forward. The, the brewery is actually about an hour, just under an hour away from me. So I don't get to go out as much, especially in the winter. Uh, the winters are pretty wild sometimes. So we, we just kind of chat, uh, on like email and run through ideas pretty freely, really. Like I think once it feels structured, then it starts feeling like work for everyone. So it's like, let's just have a good time and see what kind of weird inside jokes we can have. So yeah, too bad. Like that, that, that was, that'd be the perfect Oh, Let me come over there and just, you know, just drink and get silly, then then we'd work on it. The <laughs> fact it's an hour away that that, that impedes that, uh, unfortunately, that level of responsibility you have to have. Yeah, I still I still make my way out there, and we there they happen to be like really close to my my parents' house. So whenever we nice. go down, it's uh it's one of those like oh let's go hang out with the guys, or let's take my parents out for like a uh like a nice meal or something like that, and we'll stop at the brewery and yeah just kind of shoot the shit. Cool. Now I noticed. Two kind of recurring characters, you know, kind of like the raccoon, <laughs> the, the raccoon guy, and then obviously yeah. the, you know, the skeleton face. You know, did, you know, is that, is that deliberate? I mean, those just is those kind of uh, staples of your of your designs, or you know, do they have and do they and do they have names? I always like hoping they have names. Uh, I've I've only recently um, given the raccoon a name, and I don't know, I don't even know, like 
it's weird. You say that they're reoccurring, and I know they're reoccurring, but every time I draw them, I'm like, oh, I'm just, this is new for me. <laughs> and it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's so great, yeah. Um, but I, the raccoon, I, I just recently called Ruckus. I have no idea why or, that's or a whatnot. Good, that's I just, a good, I like yeah, that's a good like pop punk like kind of like yeah. r- ranted type name, yeah. Totally, and he's Ruckus Raccoon. You got to go with the the kind of like uh, the R system, like just always got to repeat the the first the first letter of the first name and the first letter of the last right. name. Right, it's never like yeah, it's never like Joe Raccoon. It's like yeah, Rocky no. Rocky Raccoon, right? The Beatles, right? You're good, yeah. But um, I so I think that might just be like I know the states has raccoons too, but there's something like in Toronto, it's like the the national creature because they're just everywhere um it's even like i'm i'm a little bit outside of toronto but raccoon like the other day there was just a family of raccoons like walking along my fence and they're just always present you can when we there was like a garbage strike probably like seven years ago now in in toronto and the madness of raccoons that were on the streets like you would like go into an alley and you would just hear this like rustling and this running and the weird sound they make when they're scared like a like it's just so funny to see them and they're such a weird animal but so resourceful and i kind of thought they were kind of like the punk rock animal so that's why i always give them like a bent up skull cap and like give them a jean jacket or something like that so i just <laughs> love i love the fact that they're, they're around they're cute but they're like vicious and i don't yeah. know they're such a cool character yeah we had a f- and then, yeah yeah we oh, had a f- oh, no we we had a family of skunks that lived in our like we, we thought it was one skunk and so you, you know you kind of get fearful and then of the next day we realized that like they'd given birth. And so it was like, like, but it was like, to your point, like we knew we shouldn't be near them, but like we, so the day one we saw one and the next day we saw two and we weren't sure if we saw the same one multiple times. And then the one, so we were like, Oh, maybe it's just one, one little one and the mother or whatever. But then the, the, you know, during that week we saw, we saw them in three different parts of the, of the yard where we knew that there's no way these raccoons were fast enough to get from point A to B and C. Yeah. So we realized that there was three of them we we named them of course we haven't they you know they must have grown and gone you know left the nest so to speak so they haven't been around but yeah Gerald if you're listening we we miss you <laughs> nice yeah I I don't know it's something about like the rodent characters that I just love and I think it it probably stems from that that like punk rock skateboard lifestyle I always loved the whole skate rat um, vibe and just I don't know it's, it's they are the punk rock creatures, the rodents in general. They they kind of do what they want to do, and nobody fucks with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when you do try and mess with them, like they they will get scrappy. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll they'll rip through your garbage and scratch your yeah. face up. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And then the the skull guy uh, that I think the skull should just be a staple for everybody's art. I just love skulls and like to kind of give it give it life uh, outside of just a skull. I know that like human body, all that kind of stuff, but I just love the idea of like making this kind of bubbly character of a skull. It's just so, so much more fun and so much more lifelike. And anytime I see a skull with eyes, I just, there's something so cool about the fact that this skull could be like anthropomorphic and like be having a conversation with you. I think it growing up in the nineties, there was so much like skull skateboards, skulls in your cartoons, just even the toys. Uh, I remember all those like garbage, <clears throat> excuse me, those garbage pail kids toys. Like yeah, they had nice. like that kind of gross aesthetic to them. I remember there, I don't know why they stick with me, but there's this toy that I used to get and they were pretty cheap, um, but they were in these like garbage bags and you would put them into water 
and they would dissolve and it would be like some kind of gross creature. And I had this one that was like this skeleton character and that idea of that character has stuck with me for so long <clears throat> that I kind of wanted to recreate it. And that has lived on for like the last few years in a lot of my artwork. Yeah. I, I, I like it. You said, yeah, well, I think one of your posts, you said something kind of like, you know, when you're, you're having a bad day or just whatever, like it's just very zen to draw skull, like skulls or something. There's something, there's some quote that you utilize, but yeah, was, yeah. Uh, I think it's the ET kind of like, uh, here it is. I found it. When I need a break, I just draw skulls, my Zen place. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, true. yeah, it's just, yeah. And it's fun because I don't know. I, I definitely, it's, uh, it, it's a common, I see a lot of folks draw skulls and I just, you're, you're right. Like, uh, we did like a doodle or die, like, uh, about a year and a half ago. And one of them was like skulls and people were just like had a field day with it. It was fun. Yeah. I'd, it's such a simple shape too. Like yeah, if exactly, you, right. if you distill it down to, it's like, complete essence like it's a it's an oval with a little cube coming out of the bottom and then just throw some eyes and put some ticks for teeth you're good <laughs> yeah yeah like i really like the grateful dead and so like the the iconic steely like i just like the fact that people yep. still even till this day that again you just see it like in, in how they utilize the the circle to try to you know mm-hmm. i mean obviously it's a huge ip ripoff but like that's another story <laughs> but, but like yeah. People use it all the time. I I I, do, I designed one where it was, uh, the circle was a pokeball, right? And it was just kind of like funny. Like I, I really was like, I was super proud of that. But yeah, it's double double IP. Rip. Oh yeah, I, I figured they would fight each other for who would really get to fight me first, right? So it's like yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, let's see what else we got for you. So uh, last question for you, I think um, is this maybe a little easier one. I know you're a big music guy. So what do you you know what are you listening to? Do you have music that you're listening to when you're creating? What's on the uh, jet, you know, jetpack and roller skates playlist? Uh, I am like all over the map. But actually, when I was listening to your your Rob Warnick uh, episode, it was so funny. I'm like, this, I'm like kindred spirits with this guy because like he said he's listening to Pup, which is a band that harkens back to like that kind of pop punky. It's a little bit more raw than than pop punk, but it's it's got an interesting aesthetic of being like super kind of punky but they they noodle around almost like uh like old metal guys but it's a lot more like whimsical and and fun so it's uh it's a cool band that i've been listening to for for ages i i got an opportunity to do some like poster work and stuff for them years ago um yeah just i i still listen to a lot of punk uh i like a lot of like more i guess psychedelic a lot of indie rock like i really like flaming lips radiohead um weezer like you guys talked about a lot of the stuff yeah. that i'm like these are all bands i love so much um yeah, that was fun because he was talking about the the blue album and i was like you know and i had seen it we watched you know the saturday live skit where they're goofing on it was hilarious totally. and, and so i was just like i'm supposed to be editing and i'm just i like i just went through the whole album through the album <laughs> and i was like shit i'm like i did, i this is not this is not a good use of my time right now you know it's like because yeah. like i i can't have the music playing when i'm trying to edit and do the stuff so i was like i just kind of got into it and i was like all right, this is good. I was like, oh shit, that was like forty-five minutes later, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like anything else. I I'm totally down. Like, just I, I still listen to a lot of the same stuff that I used to listen to, or similar to what Rob was also saying. Like, once you go down that path on Spotify, the recommended stuff that comes up is it's just so fitting, and it's like much more modern versions of what I was listening to, like. 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I'm always looking for new bands and seeing like how, how much more I can go down that like nostalgic pathway, but also, but still kind of making it modern. Um, 
yeah, I, I still listen to like people that sound like they're crying about their girlfriend <laughs> on their bed making songs. I don't know why I still listen to that stuff, but uh, it's interesting how it's and the, even the more raw it is, like if, if it sounds like a dude that doesn't have his like electric guitar plugged into an amp and he's just wailing about uh, shit that won't matter in 10 years, um, I kind of I kind of love that because it brings me back to that place when it was pure emotion. Like you're you're just belting your like lungs out at something that means so much in that moment. And I don't know, like I, I listen to the lyrics and I cringe because a lot of times it is very like stooped in a time where I am not anymore. Like I have a child now. I'm not worried about the girl that I was dating back way when, but it's so, so interesting and such a raw emotional thing because <laughs> it's like just kind of kids in there on their bed making music. I think it would be great. Like that would be hilarious to have uh, somebody like research these folks like, hey, like 10 years later, are you still sad? Like, or how did that work out for you? Like, where are you now? You know, and these people are like, you know, all probably corporate, like, you know, very, very cleaned up, you know, less whiny. It'd be hilarious. Oh, when I, when I listen to like old, uh, like recordings that I've done from like old four tracks or eight tracks that we had, uh, on the farm, we had, we used to have like an old horse stall that we boarded up soundproofed and made like a jam situation. So we used to like record in there all the time. And I, I'll find like the old cassette that we recorded on, um, and listening back to it, you're just kind of like, what was wrong with me? Um, what was going through my head or even like, even uh, like when I played in the bands for years, see, listening to some of those older songs, the nostalgic is there because you're in a group kind of making something together, but then hearing what the songs were about, you're, you're just like, wow, what, like, what were we like waxing poetic about at that point? Like, it's weird. You're Canadian. I was really expecting an a boot right there. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was really hoping for that. You, you kind of you you went about, but yeah. Oh, did I see? I get like two both sides of the fence. Sometimes it's a there. I'll go to the states. I was in Portland uh, a little while ago, and and I feel like they were all waiting for me to say, like a boot. And I'm like, that's not something we say. That might be like a, a it's northern. Like, it's like a Canadian cartoon thing. version of Canada. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, yeah. I was just, but no, you, you definitely. Um, yeah, you're 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 the way the way you pronounce some of your words. Obviously, I'm from when I I've lost some of my Philadelphia accent, but I have a way I say like home and phone and some other things that are weird weirdly looked at here in New England. But yeah, yeah I, I didn't think of that until you said the the about. It was like oh, but yeah, yeah. I've heard that I accentuate the like out part a little bit more, and I'm just like I feel like I'm saying it like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now I did go through your Instagram story. Uh, I mean, not your story, but your stuff. I've been kind of, and I've been wanting to know: Are you a Blue Jays fan? Um, I'm like the. I'm such a stereotypical like art guy. I I love the idea of baseball. But if you tell me to sit and like watch games on my TV, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather okay. like sit and watch movies. I also, as far as hockey goes, I'm not like, I just, I don't understand hockey. Like you I love, pond, the, you don't have skates and you go out your back door and just, there's automatically people playing there and just like whimsically having yeah, maple people, syrup and stuff. Like you know, people skate to work here. It's wild. <laughs> oh, you're serious. 
No, no, no. I'm not. Oh, I was like, holy shit, that was amazing. The, I was like, that's I amazing. To the stereotype, I'm like, it's a huge stereotype. <laughs> that's amazing. I was like, oh, actually, I'm like, let's just scrap that. Yeah. Because I was in the Netherlands recently and they, um, I wasn't there for it, but a couple times a year they let the, the canals freeze over and people skate like, you know, the bike situation there is amazing already, but they let people skate on the canals. So I'm always just amazed by that. Like, that just scares me to death. Yeah, I do have like a local park that's not even a five minute walk outside of my like outside of my front door. And they when the the pond freezes over like days later, there's hockey nets on it. And there's just kids like after high the high school that's beside there is open or sorry, after it closes down, they like just jump in and play a game. And it's it's cool that that exists. I was I was a snowboarder like through and through. I like I was always into sports that. I was the only one that could fuck up. <laughs> um, I just hated when people like were were depending on me for things. So I'm just like, no, I, if th- something goes wrong, it's on me. It's all on me. And that's why I loved skateboarding so much. And it was more about like, let's go off a jump like a million times and let's see if I land it instead of, you know, I didn't pass the puck the right time and somebody on the team was like uh, pissed off at me. So All right, cool. I dig on that. No, because being from Philadelphia – the Blue Jays, Joe Carter kind of ruined, my, you know, ruined my high school. Oh years. yeah, so that's like <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I'm glad we liked each other before I re- I found that uh, Blue Jays sketch you did because otherwise, that would have uh, impeded my my perception. I'm a very uh, diehard loyal. Yeah, I can tell you the exact oh, place. Nice. I was at a party and fucking Joe Carter. Yeah, I was joking. Oh, that, that probably destroyed you as a human. Oh yeah, I was like, fi- I think I was like 15. I was like, that was like the prime. I was like, yeah. Teen ang- yeah, that was uh, it was awful. I always yeah, joke. I was like, if I ever go to uh, Toronto for work, I'm always just like, "Fuck Joe Carter!" If I see that guy, yeah, yeah. And that was that was like the I remember ninety two, ninety three when those those games like went off. the The city was like alive. It was crazy, and that was just such a like a crazy move that I can't believe it happened. Nobody could believe it happened, and. I think we still lean on that as being like, yeah, that'll never happen again. By the way, we're we're awesome, and the the Jays are like a a good team. I just I don't pay enough attention to it, but I still love the aesthetics of like the good old game. Like it's so it's such a cool game. I I love the idea. I love the statistics behind it. I just cannot sit. And I like to go. I like to go. I, baseball. I like to be at more than watch it. Yeah, know? totally. Um, I like but, just but yeah. having a beer and sitting in the stands and watching the the fans because there's always like with baseball you get the diehards that are there like all the time with their headphones in like listening to like their preferred oh. broadcast guy like tell yeah yeah, it's just, yeah I like it well I was just because like I feel like you and Rob are kindred spirits so he's a big baseball guy so I was like oh maybe they're gonna like maybe he's like the Canadian version maybe they're like you know, <laughs> mirrors of each other but yeah. No, didn't go down that path, but it's right. it is. So I'll say cool. it again: fuck Joe Carter, fuck Joe Carter, <laughs> fuck Joe Carter. I mean, for you, he must be like a king, but for me, that was awful. So, but hey, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I'm pretty happy. So that'll keep me, that'll keep me content for another decade. Nice. Well, Blake, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed talking to you. I feel uh, you know this was talk, really fun. Really, yeah, I feel like we could talk for hours. I really, yeah, uh, I really enjoy what you're doing. I, you know, thanks. I, I dig your style and what you're bringing to life, even though they're dead skeletons some of the times. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you and Ruckus are doing a, you know doing a good thing. And uh, if there's anything we can do to support, like I said, we're gonna get we'll uh, order something and get it up in the studio, or maybe when we get that skull shirt. Uh, from the the website and uh nice. yeah i really just really appreciate you and thanks for making the time to to connect 
Yeah, thanks, dude. And this was awesome. Uh, it was awesome to have the conversation. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, too, because it's like such an awesome marriage of the two worlds I love so much. Well, cheers to that. And like I said, we always our, our, the end dream is to have a couple beers together. So hopefully we can do that in the, in the future. For sure. Let me know when you're in Toronto, man. All right. Cheers, brother. Talk to you soon. Cheers. You have it, folks. The essential, the one and only 16 ounce canvas, Blake Stevenson, Jetpacks and Roller Skate interview, right here on the interwebs. Wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, Google Home, Alexa, play the 16 ounce canvas. Alexa, turn it up. But Wherever it is, we appreciate it. If there's uh, the ability to leave a review or click some stars, more is always better. You know, obviously, uh, five stars, or we have had some folks leave us some great reviews on iTunes. It really helps. There's some of the machine learning algorithms, AI, that, you know, makes us move up the charts or become more popular with all the cool kids. We had to sit at the, the better tables at the lunchtime. Nah, it's some kidding. I, that wasn't me. Um, but in all seriousness, now it really means a lot. It really helps what we're doing. Um, make sure you also support our artist. Um, if you haven't had a chance to uh, follow along with our good friend Heidi Geis, Forty Eight Beer Project. Um, unfortunately, some you know recent news we came to learn that uh, you know her her trusty sidekick, you know her bus has uh, taken kind of um, a little cracked engine. I'm not a cracked engine block. I think I'm not I'm not the the handiest car guy. But uh, unfortunately, it's going to impact her uh, adventure and her journey. So please go follow her on Instagram, 48 Beer Project. She has a GoFundMe. She's uh, selling some of her artwork. If you're a brewery or somebody looking for some label work, please also reach out to Heidi and uh, you know see what you can do to help her along the way. We'll catch up with her hopefully next week and give you some more information on what's going on there. Remember to follow along with Blake Stevenson, Jetpacks and Roller Skates is the uh, Instagram account. Then you can go into JNR, uh, the letters JNRshop.com for more information. You can you know, find out some prints, find out what he's up to. Make sure to check out Alora uh, Brewing Company, Collective Arts. They're all doing some just awesome stuff. Um, we'll hopefully uh, try to figure a way to work with Collective in the future. Really like what they're doing. Kind of, uh, you know, really uh, aligned with them and in, in their vision. Except, you know, we don't... We don't brew beer, and uh, from what I've heard from talking to, to Blake, the beer to Laura is great. So, crew over there, Laura, if you want to send it across the border into the lovely land of Americas, you know, we'd love to, to try some. Uh, if you're listening to this and you have access, we've, uh, we always try to get our hands on some of the, the 60-ounce canvases and uh, do proper justice by having a few toasts. All right, until next week, my name is AJ Kierens. Episode 104 is in the books. We're really excited to announce Season 10, so look for that. You know, keep in touch. My name's AJ. AJ at 16ozcanvas.com. Goes right to me. 16ozcanvas.com is the website. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 16ozcanvas. It's that easy, folks. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Again.